everyone, and welcome to a new episode, the final episode of Biscuits of the Boss for the second season of Ted Lasso. Second season, we have Tom. Hey, hey. We have David. Oh, hello, everyone. And I am Jesse. Uh, we will be all spoilers all the time on everything we've seen up to far. And we will speculate with whatever we think probably at the end on what season three is going to be. Uh, but for now, welcome, guys. I'm so glad we got to talk to this. Let's get right to it. David, what were your thoughts on the last two episodes? Oh, put me on the spot. Yeah. Um... Well, while you're thinking, I will tell the fun story. Uh, okay. Dave and I ended up going, we, we ended up going to see a Kiss concert together, and he had seen one of the episodes I had not. And he was like, oh, no, no, I'm not going to talk about it. And then, like, <laughs> and then later he said, you could see why I was just like, damn it, damn it, I wanted to talk so bad. So, yes. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> I think if we went back and we listened to our earlier episodes, the one thing that I would be proud of is I feel like I kind of called some of the, uh, some of the things that were going to happen. Yeah. And so while I am proud of that, I'm also a little disappointed because I, I, I'm not that smart. <laughs> there's no way I, there's no way I'm that smart. I, I'm not that intuitive. I'm not that creative. And so that, that's my only problem is, is I wish, I wish I hadn't thought some of those things, but they did come true, whether it was Rupert and the baby, uh, Rupert selling the team or giving the team away, buying a new team, making Nate, all of it, just all of that. And, and I, you know, for some reason, I don't know, maybe that, maybe that sucked a little bit of the joy out of it for me only because I felt like I saw that coming. Okay. And then instead of getting something completely different, which is kind of what I was used to, I got what I expected. Don't get me wrong. It was done incredibly well. But I think the thing that out of all of that, even, even having called all of that, I think the thing that bothered me the most is where we stand with Roy and Keeley. I just terrified that this is going to be something bad and I don't want something bad to happen to those two. Uh, I think well said. Tom, how about you? Quick thoughts of the last two episodes and I guess the season overall, if you feel. Oh, I, I, I hated it. No, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think this show gets to play season two rules, which are different than season one, where if season one had been the only season, I would have been happy. Season two let a lot of stuff fester and hang out. And I think that's cool because that's different. There, there were a lot of callbacks to the end of the first season, right? To Rebecca making sure to give Ted the right water this time. And I, I thought those, those played well. And then the hanging things with Roy and Keeley and Nate turning into, as I keep calling him, Shate Nelly. Um, because Ted Lasso became Led Tasso. Yeah. Uh, I I think uh, I think there's a really interesting place to be. I I I even though it had been posited on here by people smarter than me apparently that um, that Rupert was going to buy another team, I didn't see it coming, and I I have a feeling that much like the first season, the second season will bear a rewatch because I I really wonder if when I go back, I will be able to see it from Nate's point of view. Because I feel like these writers are so good that I will, even well, th- 
not that I think that Ted did anything wrong, but that you'll see where Nate thinks that Ted did something wrong. Well, I did read in an interview um, that the actor who plays Nate, I'm drawing a blank on his name, um, said Nick that, Muhammad? that, yeah, Nick, yeah, specifically, they did not have him and Ted in a solo episode, solo scene once this year. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they said that that was by design because they knew where they were going. And so, go ahead, David. Yeah, no, it was just the, the last scene that they were that they were uh, scene partners with no one else was uh, when they're standing outside before Muhammad goes in to, to do the uh, roast of the team. That was the last time that they were in a scene just by themselves when he apologizes for yelling at him. Um, for coming to his door at the at the end of that scene or at the end of that episode. Hmm. Yeah. And and I had not noticed that. And I think which shows that Ted probably had not noticed that, right? Like Ted's got a lot of other stuff going on and all this and you know it it is very easy to take someone for granted or to not be aware that someone's feelings may be getting hurt because you're, you know, you're not seeing that in your wake. Um, I, I thought that was very interesting. I, I don't agree. And we'll get into more of this with, I don't agree with Nate's thoughts, but I understand why he feels that way. Um, and I, it, I, I, from your perspective as a writer, Tom, I'd love to hear your thoughts like, I felt that there were enough surprises. Like, I assumed they would win the game and get back up to the Premier League. Um, and I know a few people on Twitter complained that before the last episode went out, they announced that there was in a Ted Lasso an agreement with either with. Uh, Apple TV had an agreement with the Premier League and someone said, oh, wow, way to spoil it. But I was like, well, I assumed that was going to happen, but I didn't know how it was going to happen. And I thought that was enough twist. Same thing, um, Rupert buying Man City, which is considered, right, one of the best uh, clubs in... Uh, he bought in West Ham. West Ham, yeah. okay, yeah. Yeah, he bought West Ham, but still still one of the major... One of the big ma- ones, yeah. one of the major teams, for sure. Yeah, so I, sure. I thought that was enough, and and I I was happy to... And I guess what I like, as a writer, Tom, do are you happy that when you lay these clues that your readers, or in this case, viewers, catch it? Yeah, I I like going for like 50-50. I want to surprise you because you're dealing with an audience. So if everyone picks up on it, it's too obvious. If some people pick up on it, it's fine. Um, But the other thing is that when you're executing something like that, you want it to go in such a way that when the pieces fall, they fall fall satisfyingly. So even with knowing, well, okay, so I didn't see what was going to happen with Nate. But having Danny Rojas come and be able to kick the the winning goal, having Jamie step back and not need to be the hero, like there were so many satisfying beats along the way that it wasn't, I think you said it, it's not a question of were they going to win the game, it was how they were going to win the game. And even the fact that they won by a tie, 
which is Ted's least favorite thing in the world. Yes. But he's made, they've been on such a journey that the tie is the win. Yeah. And there's no moment where he's, he's not upset about a tie the way that he was before. So it shows progression on his part. All those, all those things click in such a satisfying way that the fact that I had a strong suspicion that they were going to win at the end of this year, I, it didn't bother me at all. It just felt like, it felt like satisfying clicks as you're putting a puzzle together. Okay. So let's, let's talk about two of those, of those beats then. So one, the team that they tied was Brentford. So go back, go back and watch uh, season two, episode one, where they're in Rebecca's office and they're talking about, I think it's episode one, and they're talking about how they've tied 10 in a row or whatever mm-hmm. it is, whatever the number is. And Higgins says, oh, we just got a delivery of food from our arch rivals over at Brent, Brentford or whatever. What is it? It's Thai food. That cracks me up. <laughs> that cracks me up. They, the team that they tied to get promoted is the team that sent them Thai food. That's oh, that's, funny. I did not know that. And <laughs> I love that. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's number one, but number two. So here's my problem that I have with, with what you're talking about with like, with, um, um, Jamie giving that to, to Danny to kick and things like that. I feel like that seems, it doesn't feel earned to me. Like Jamie's entire arc of, he had like what, I mean, okay, yes. We don't get to see everything that happens. We have to assume that there's more life being lived, but, but I want to see more because the way it comes across, the way it seems is that, Jamie has one session with, with Dr. Sharon and now he's completely changed. And now he's apologizing to Roy about what he did with Keely. And he's, he's giving up the shot to Danny, which is 180 degrees from the guy we saw. I won't say at the end of the, of the first season, simply because he did take that extra pass. And that was so cool. It just didn't feel earned. And there were a couple of beats like that to me that just didn't feel earned they felt like they had to get it in. And maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe I was just hoping for more, but they hit me wrong. And I don't know why. Hmm. Because so, when did he have the session with, with the doc? It was like four or five, four or five, six episodes ago. It was right when he came back to the team and Keely takes him in and says, go talk to her. And then that was it. You know, that was really the only the only time we see an interaction between them at all. Okay, but along the way, we see Roy learn how to coach him. And then yeah. we see Roy give him the hug, yeah. which is a big cathartic moment. I feel like Jamie sure. had a lot of little moments along the way. And I also felt like he was still, he's still enough of a clueless jerk. But what's really interesting to me as far as Roy and Keely and Jamie is that they've written Jamie in such a way that he's not, I don't want to say he's not a threat, but he has potential. Like it's a really interesting love triangle because he's not, you're not rooting against him. You're kind of rooting for him and you're not rooting against Roy, but you can tell they're damaged and it makes like, I don't know how that plays out. And I really like that. And it's not one of those, you know, it's not like 
Angel, Buffy, and Riley, where you re- you think that because of the big story, he's going to end, she's going to end up with Angel, but you kind of like Riley along the way, but you know he's temporary. Like I can't tell which one of them is transitory, and I think that's that's a really interesting Listen, place to go when, because when... they made because oh, they made Jamie so much better as a person. Well, when when Roy is in her office and and he's like, I got these two tickets. We're going for six weeks. First off, number one, six weeks is too long for any vacation. Just hear me out. That's too much. But number two, when she says she can't go and doesn't really have a good reason other than or it doesn't have a stated reason. She doesn't say other than I just can't go. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm worried. I don't want anything to happen to those two. I love them so much. I ship them very hard and I don't want anything <laughs> to happen to it. And it hurts my heart and I don't like it. Yeah. So, so we'll get back to that in a minute. I want to talk about, cause I really love what you said about Dave. And so here's my, and I'm not trying to convince you. I'm giving you in my mind, how the thing thought is I believe that Jamie was humbled by no one wanting to sign him and then gets in Richmond. And I also think that he really has learned a lot from Roy. And, and so he's grown. And I think last episode, the last season when he did the extra pass and Ted praised him and gave him the little army man. And then, you know, Roy saying, okay, I need you to be a selfish, you know, rick with a p uh and and to teach him how to turn it on i think that he slowly learned and i think it shows that he's learning how to be a better teammate and so that's why i think the catharsis was you know yes i could probably make this but i also think you know danny rojas could and I think this would be better for the team. So I think he's learned to be a better team player. And I do get enough of that on the show that seeing him moving that. And I think that also shows in the apology that he's like, I, you know, I'm trying to be a better person. I'm, it is right. against my nature because I am a selfish, arrogant, gifted, you know, footballer. Um, so I was okay with that, uh, though. I see your point very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he yeah. did. He did say uh, the one thing that kind of resonated with me is he did say that he respected Roy, and and I, all I can think back to is when they were um, uh, they were at the fundraiser in season one. Yeah. And they're just you know they they never they talk about never get along, and obviously there's no yeah. respect there. And I did love that. Um, and for him to give it up to Danny Rojas just in that one scene. There may be nothing cuter on the show than that little greyhound with the helmet on. Yes. Man, that was funny. I love <laughs> that, that so much. That was really funny. And to have him go, football is life. And then just, yeah. you know, click yeah. that. It was great. All right. Um, Sam and the Billionaire. Um, first off, I thought that was a great two episode kind of storyline. And I will tell you, I laugh so much when uh, the billionaire throws a hissy fit when he says no. I mean, just, just, just not even like, oh, I respect you. I mean, just this, you, I'm not saying who, but there are 
other popular billionaires that may or may not gone to politics that you imagine. But anyway, I just thought what that was hilarious and, um, and including Sam telling them and he's not going to go. And the great scene where Ted goes, I think he might have been talking to you. You (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Tom, start us off. Oh, I, I love that bit one because because it comes out of nowhere because it shakes everything up. It makes people question where they are. But on top of that, they don't telegraph that the billionaire is bad. Like there's an episode of ER where Clancy Brown tries to purchase things at the hospital and you're just hearing Lex Luthor's voice. Like, you know, it's going to turn like every, every sentence you think is going to end with, and then you'll be owned by LexCorp. And they played him so straight that when he, and he's got so many things going for him and he seems very personable and he says, I'm a billionaire, but I don't believe there should be billionaires and everything that goes along with that, that it, it makes Sam's decision so much more powerful because he's making it for Sam reasons. Cause they're both good choices. And then to have him turn. So, so make that heel turn and it allows you as an audience and allows Sam to go, Oh yeah, I totally picked the right, right. You know, they're, they don't have to convince you at that point. They're showing you, yes, he made the right choice. And you get that satisfaction of, oh, even without knowing this, you still made the right choice. You know, when you say, though, that that there's no indication that he could be bad or, or not the right one, I will say that, that the instance where uh, he won't shake Ted's hand, but then he shakes Sam's hand. Mm-hmm. There's, and then Sam and, and Ted gives a little look like, hmm, okay. Well, yeah, and then just goes on about his business, and then and then, but everybody wants a good handshake or goodbye handshake from the other guy. Now, that's <laughs> funny too. Like there's just little moments like that. But one thing that I was curious about when when they were filming that, I wonder how much of his entire performance was scripted versus him just improvising because the the actor who does that is a comedian. I've seen him in some things, and he's really really good and really funny. But man, when he's walking down the hall and he goes past the mannequin and he throws the mannequin on the floor and just poop, yes, man, I cracked up so hard. That was real funny. And I wonder if that was scripted or if that was him. And I have not seen anything online about, about that, but man, I'm so curious. Uh, Do I got the feeling and maybe I'm just, connecting one and eight thinking it's one and two but it when sam buys the building is that where they had the fake a uh, restaurant at that's what i got out of it too yes yeah yeah i think, I so. think it was the same yeah and so that i which i thought was kind of nice that though i wanted to go no restaurants bad bad <laughs> investment <laughs> i i remember um sunny bono was on the david letterman and he was saying, David, never buy a restaurant. The, your, your employees steal from you. The food costs. There is a constant headache. It is a bad idea to own a restaurant. Uh, so I thought of that. But no, I thought it's neat that Sam's going to bring a little taste of his home there. Um, I, didn't think, I didn't think Sam was going to go anywhere. Um, so I, I, I'm glad that I was right about that. But I was still, I loved the, as Chris would say, my son, um, you know, the billionaire turned heel, you know, like if it was a wrestling mm-hmm. match, like all of a sudden. Yeah. And, and just, if you, and you're right, it did look, 
when he's throwing that mannequin down and he's pretending to, you know, use the restroom on it. It's just was hilarious. I love that. Um, let's move to Sharon, Dr. Sharon and Ted. Um, I, for one, am happy they didn't tell us the letter because sometimes, right, your mind paints that picture. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought that was just a great kind of scene to show how close they've come and you know she in fact one of my favorite lines is the voicemail she leaves ted um dave let's start with you sharon and ted yeah i mean so the one thing that kind of clicked with me um is you know he's he's talking about for just taking it back to to nate's journey for a second as a part of that just that that one thing right there the entire time we've got we've got some important stuff coming up for the team and Ted is having them practice an in-sync dance for Sharon's going away party and watch Nick Mohammed in that in that scene he looks just so pissed and that that's one thing right there just watch that the next time you watch the show but for for him and Dr. Sharon when they're when they're at the pub and and he does the Irish goodbye. That was the, with the letter, that was the well, chef's kiss right there. That was a good, that was a good part. I liked that a lot. Tom. Yeah. I, I thought it was, I thought it was really strong. I'm, I'm still a little lost on some of the specifics of how this sports psychologist is working with the team. Cause I don't think they ever stress that it was just a one year gig or a one year with an option. Cause you're going to play again next year. Like she could be back next year. Like why, why is it a hard out? Um, I don't mind that it's a hard out, but it's not set up like that. Um, It is good writing. I think to when you're going to write the most amazing letter in the world, you kind of can't write that letter. You, you have to leave it to the audience's imagination and a really good performance by Jason Sudeikis. So good. Uh, Yeah. I I think that, I think that scene is, is going to get him his Emmy nomination. Just, for everything yeah he puts into just it. the turn of his face was so mm-hmm. good like yeah i i don't know that there were some moments last year where he he did some amazing things obviously and it won him an award but th- you're right that scene alone was award worthy just yeah so good and what i'm interested by is there's still things we don't know about dr sharon like she she seems to drink what some people would say would be a lot. I would say it would be a pandemic. Um, but I, I don't, we don't have resolution on everything that goes on with her, but we don't actually completely know the rules of the show. Like, is everything going to tie up? Because we've only, we've only had two seasons. Like they may be perfectly capable of leaving a few things open, which they, they left more than a few things open at the end of the second season but I don't know, is she going to come back or is she going to cameo? You know, I don't know if, you know, are we going to see more of, of sassy Smurf? Um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things like that where because it's such a, because it's a short season and it's a new show, you can't tell if it's going to be one of those things that ties up everything or if they're going to be comfortable leaving you uncomfortable. Well, and I think one of the good things is they knew they had a third season so mm-hmm. when you talked, I thought about that earlier when you were talking about, you know, 
you you can forgive some of the second season because you know they had a third so they could be thinking of that um right. i've read somewhere that both um the trent green or the reporter will be back and uh and dr sharon will be back that they okay. are they have they have contracts um I did. I did not put this on our agenda, but I did notice that uh, a lot of people I follow, journalists on Twitter, were really happy he resigned because mm-hmm. they were really betrayed that he gave a confidential source, and they were really impressed that they they wrote this so that he resigned because of his own ethics. And I thought that was really well done. Um, Agree. Yeah, I. Um, I really loved, um, and I thought of the, um, uh, where Goodwill Hunting, where like, you know, SOB stole my line, you know, I thought of that, you know, (laughs) so yeah, I thought that was really well done. And uh, then the army, you know, the army man coming back was just really, really a nice scene. Um, I, and I just think that, um, he was so angry and you're right you know this is not the thing to do when you've got a big match coming up I mean you know we would not be happy with Mike McCartney you know coming to teach the boys how to do a you know a, a choreo's dancing but it's so Ted and it's so great I also love that yeah we just gave her a big cash of money you know the mm-hmm. prize like we like we couldn't really buy a scarf that was great all right we talked about that Roy and the teacher had a little chemistry and we got a really nice scene with them together. Um, but I will tell you, if you're a Keely and Roy fan, these last two episodes, they're kind of rocking the boat. So I'm going to start with you, David, because I know this upset you. It really did. I mean, um, there's a couple of things that upset me. The first is that we haven't seen Phoebe since what episode five episode six like i'm i really not enough phoebe more phoebe um and the thing is is that i i understand because i i think we we talked about it i had this 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 thought that okay roy and the teacher sure why not you know they they seem to get along and obviously they did he was there for three hours i don't think we we kind of got that just from the way that the scenes were cut, but the fact that when he then tells Keely, you know, I was there for three hours talking with her, like that's, that's, that's weird. Um, And I think part of what, part of what got to me about these last two episodes was, was how they felt unfinished. And I know we, we, we want to leave things for season three, et cetera, but the way that, episode 11 ended with them disclosing what had happened between her and Jamie and, and him and the teacher and then them just kind of turning and then not having any explanation for that or any kind of resolution to that other than, well, well we've moved on. It's another day that didn't feel right. And it doesn't feel like something the show has normally done. And that kind of bothered me. And then, it felt like glossing over and then Keely gets this big, this big opportunity, which I love for her. And I love the Keely and, and Rebecca conversations about 
telling her and, and Higgins helping her to understand that she could tell her. And I loved all of that. But then when it came back to her telling Roy in the kitchen, that seemed like that would have been a good moment to kind of address some of those gorillas in the room. And that just didn't happen. And, and I don't, I just felt like that was a missed opportunity too. Again, maybe I'm looking for too much or, or was hoping for too much, but I did want to see something there and it just didn't come across. Yeah, I I like it in the kind of Catholic I like punishment kind of way, I guess. Um, because it's not pleasant, but it feels true. And I like that it is a... I always hearken back to Friends when uh, Chandler was helping Ross write a list of all the things wrong with Rachel and puts down that she has fat ankles. And that's just... That's just not true in like six different ways. Like this is a silly list. Like, like you can write a better list. Um, and they're not finding like sitcom reasons to drive a wedge between them. They're finding real reasons and having like Roy doesn't do anything wrong with the teacher, but it feels wrong. And you can rebound from that. You like him buying the the plane tickets, maybe him swinging the other way and saying, I got to I got to fix this. I got to do more. Um, so I like that it feels, I don't know, it feels very adult. It doesn't feel very sitcom which I, I really like. Um, I'm okay with it, leaving it unfinished because it felt like, it felt like the point was to make you obsess about it for the next year or however long it's going to yeah, be before. It is, it is making me do that and I'm yes. really worried and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, but it's it felt like an, an earned cliffhanger and it felt like a very gentle cliffhanger. Like it wasn't, it wasn't over the top. It wasn't, you know, someone waiting for someone else to give an answer to a question or, you know, some dramatic, you know, dramatically Rachel coming to the airport or something like that. How is this going to play out? You're like, Oh, this is weird. And it's, I don't know. It's just a really cool place for it to be i i get the frustration and when you're invested in the characters you can like or don't like what's happening but i think it is artfully done either way i do like the fact that i think you're right on a traditional sitcom if they were going to generate some sort of of drama then when he said are we breaking up she would have gone yeah you know something fake mm -hmm. for no reason with no explanation and then that would have carried over to next year she says, no, of course not. Why would you think that? But then again, she's not saying, you know, maybe I can go on this trip for a week or two weeks, not six. <laughs> Come on. I'm still bothered by the whole six week thing. I get it. It's just, it's Europe. So is, I'm not used yeah. To that. I was going to say, is that, yeah. is that a European thing that, and I also think so. he thinks that she can work remotely, which for what he's seen her do, maybe that is a um, rational expectation. Like, if he thinks that what she does is what she does for the team and knows what she, how much she can do remote for the team, is she, is he saying, Oh, well, I know what you do. So I know you can do this. And, you know, he's probably, he's thinking like a school teacher, like, Hey, we're on summer break so we can do yeah. things. And you used to be a school teacher. So you probably think like that too. And not knowing, not knowing all the startup. And that's probably another sign of what's off in their relationship. Cause yeah. She hasn't shared how much is going on enough for Roy to figure out that 
she couldn't do what she was he was asking her to do yeah my first thought was well of course she can't go because she's starting an office you know i assume she is not doing a virtual office or you mm-hmm. know and, and you know it, it sounds like that she is doing a you know an actual office with a uh, you know and that means you need to hire staff and you need to be there and you need to show um at the start of a business is the wrong time to take even that time off um it feels like he is trying to make a gesture and he's he's and i don't know they're you know we don't know the rules of the relationship we don't know if they've had you know talks about where they're headed or what they're doing you know and he's still at a stage where are we breaking up and she's like of course not just you're gonna go enjoy this vacation richly deserved and then you know and then we'll come back and everything's the same and they just they're off they're not on the same page I did love that he went to the Diamond Dogs and, you know, kind of had this awareness. Yeah. Oh, sometimes we just talk about stuff. It's okay. <laughs> and um, that's cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. And then the idea that, you know, he, she isn't looking for maybe that big gesture, but he feels like he has to do it. So they are out of sync for mm-hmm. sure. They're out of sync. The previous episode, I did think it was lovely that he said, there wasn't a picture of me and I that doesn't bother me I was okay with that because she looked so amazing so um I I will, but it hurt my feeling that was yeah, great it hurt too. my feelings yes <laughs> it, that was just really good well that and that's a that's a really nuanced way of establishing that he's not he's not jealous he's not upset at her success yeah he's amazed by it and really appreciates it but he sees that he's not part of it and that he doesn't like that part but it's not because of her it's because of him yeah and you know i wonder too and this is way you know dime store psychology but probably in every relationship he's ever had no no they're casual or um serious he's been the most famous person mm-hmm. and the most successful person And all of a sudden, now then, he is an ex-football player. He's a coach, uh, you know, and he's, you know, you know, he gave up the TV gig because he he loves coaching. Obviously, he's good at it. And maybe there's a little bit in his mind there that, like, wait a minute, is she going to outshine me? And I'm okay with that, but am I okay with that? Right? Where he's trying to process that. Okay, so I I will push back on that just because he goes through that arc of. He is famous and tweeted about when he's on the TV show and he realizes he doesn't need that when he goes back to coaching because they do a great job of showing that he's really good at it and that people like him at it. So he could have maintained the fame and the spotlight in the way that older players would. And he doesn't do that. So I don't, I don't think he's worried about being outshone. And in fact, what he says when he's talking about, Keely is that I, I think he is showing that he's fine he's proud of her success and he loves that it's just that she she's not presenting as someone who needs to be with someone and that's what bothers him it's uh, not her success it's it doesn't it doesn't look like she's got a second half okay interesting 
I like that. Um, we've already kind of talked about the final game. Um, I, I you, and I, I love both of y'all's points about it was very fitting that it was a tie that, you know, we had that going. Um, anything else that we didn't talk about in the game that we wanted to share? I do think it was um, Nate's plan to do this, and and Ted believed in the plan, and, and I, I do felt that um, one of the things I'm unhappy about Nate is um, have you ever met Ted? I mean, Ted has not been um false face to you know about anything he's always exactly you he is what he is and he says what he means and if he believes that this is a good uh strategy you know he's not someone that would say because nate says well he's just doing this so that when it fails you know because originally when it's successful and it will he'll take the credit and now then he says when it fails because the players aren't good enough he can blame me and that just seems unlike and i realize he's in a bad place but knowing ted the way he does he should that shows how warped his thinking is right that's it exactly it's because he's so warped it's because he's taken these things like like for the most part go back and and think about you know what he said he didn't say anything that wasn't true it was just a 180 degrees from the intent or or right. everything else like it was just his perception of it his perception is driven by his relationship with his father his parents his the way he's been treated all of his life i mean that comes across and and while i obviously don't agree with with what happened and you know the the restraint that ted shows um by not saying something like well your picture's on my bedside table and just little things where he could have that to me is ted because ted has always kind of shown that restraint one i think he was he was kind of overwhelmed with getting this information and this feedback from from nate um obviously he knew nate was upset because he knew he knew he was the leak but Ted obviously didn't know why he was upset either. It never occurred to Ted. And that in and of itself can be hurtful, especially to, to somebody like Nate, because he just doesn't feel seen. He doesn't feel like, yeah. like he kind of, like he kind of talks about, you know, Ted had shined that spotlight on him and then that spotlight was gone. And that's a, I mean, that's a classic, that's a classic character trope right there that you, you shine the light on somebody and then you took it away and they don't know, they don't know what to do. Well, and there was that great, um, there is that scene where earlier in the season where uh, someone needs to talk to a player, right? And Nate kind of, oh, I'll do this. You know, one of the big dogs and he's kind of laughed at, right? Like, yeah. and we just think it's funny, like, because we saw Nate had gotten a little full of himself, but from his mind, that could be a slam. Uh, Thoughts, Tom? Yeah, I... I, it, it's just the dialogue guide in me. I don't. I don't think Nate is warped. I think he's broken. Okay. Because I think what's happening writ large is that what Ted is doing is the things that Nate's father would do, but with different results. Um, for lack of a better example, it's like both. It's like both of them saying, "I'll call you at ten o'clock." 
and then Nate saying, well, my father never calls me at 10 o'clock when he says he'll call me at 10 o'clock. So Ted's not going to call me, but then Ted would call. So what he's seeing is he's, he's attributing all the negative stuff that he's used to in relationships to Ted and not giving Ted a chance to disprove it. Um, some of it is that Ted is not actively, Ted is treating Nate the way that he would treat Nate and not realizing that he needs to hear something else. Part of that is probably because Ted is, is obviously distracted by a few other things, but also because Ted just doesn't know what Nate needs because Nate is not expressing himself right. He's not being clear enough for Ted to know what to do. I love that when they're having it out in the office that Ted's reaction is, tell me what I can do better. Like, what did I miss? Yeah, tell me uh, what I need to learn. What are you trying yeah. to teach me? Yeah. Right. He's not, he doesn't push back. He's not negative. He, he accepts it and he's willing to figure out how to work with it. And that's something that Nate can't, he's, he doesn't know how to handle that. He doesn't, you know, he hasn't had someone do that for him before. They've done a, they've done a really good job of showing like how messed up his relationship with his parents are and how much validation he's looking for. There is a, you know, there is a ton of that where he's, you see how much he's looking to be appreciated. The only thing I don't, I don't know if I would do it differently. The the thing that I'm not sure works as well with the story that they're telling is that Nate starts off in a bad place and we don't, we don't see him progress to a bad place when he, when he says they can do the job for their paychecks. That's the first indication we have that there's a darker side of Nate, but we didn't see the lighter side of Nate before it. He starts off off. Uh And so we don't, we don't see a progression. And I know stuff happened between the end of the first season, the beginning of the second season, but it felt, and that was why I kept thinking that we would find out that there was some secret that happened between seasons that was causing him to act that way because it didn't feel like it was a, it didn't feel like it was a natural progression. It felt like it was a, a hard turn um and also by the way uh i think it was excellent use of the characters and i'm going to co- totally space on the name but the uh the super honest character the sure. john the moss guy, yeah john moss john what's moss. great about him is that throughout the entire season they established that he only speaks the truth yeah so when they have to talk to the players and he says we can do it you're it cuts away any thought that any of the characters are trying to impress Ted or their egos involved with it or anything like that, you just immediately go, Oh, this is a true thing because he only speaks the truth. And then he yeah. says, yeah, and you should have caught that goal. Yeah. I love <laughs> that where he said, and you, and you know, and then, you know, the goalkeeper's like, yeah, you're right. I probably should have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was. Um, I, but on that, when they're in that, yeah. when they're in that conversation, they're in that office, I got to admit. So obviously Nick Muhammad, uh, he may have stolen the he may have stolen the best supporting actor from from Brett Goldstein just because he did an amazing job in that yes. scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he talks about how Ted doesn't belong here, I belong here. You left your son, and man, the the eye, the hurt in Ted because he knows it's true. He yeah. knows it's true. He knows he shouldn't have taken a job four thousand miles away. I mean, he knows it but he did it anyway and and he gets called on it and i think that was important and while that was hurtful i don't think it was untrue either no and i think you know he you know as he said 
I, I gave her, you know, she said she needed space. So I, you know, I'm coaching in a totally different country to give mm-hmm. her that space. Um, and, you know, and they and, you know, they had that moment where um, after word breaks, right. She, she's texting him and he says, is it an early morning or late night? And she yeah. is kind of like son of your business anymore. Right. Cause um, London's about six hours ahead of us. Um, so um, I thought that was a reminder that, you know, Ted didn't mean anything. He was just saying, whoa, it's, you know, you're, you're up, you're up either very early or you're out very late. Cause let's right. see. Oh, yeah. I, I think Ted did mean something by it. You do? But yes, but I think he was smart enough to ask the question in a safe way because okay. she's a mom. You know, the, yeah. the kid could have had problems getting to sleep or had to get yeah. up early or had to work on home. Like there are lots of reasons for her to be awake that are good reasons. But I think Ted was also not not suspicious, suspicious, but he was he was like internet stalking curious. Okay. And it's the kind of thing where it's it's not an unfair question to ask, but it's an uncomfortable question to ask. And that's and I think it was excellent use of waiting for dots to fill up. Um, yes. You know, it built the tension in the scene and then Ted cuts it so that he's not asking, you know, he he admits that it is a wrong question to ask when he says it's none of my business. Yeah. It's a it's a fair question to ask because if anyone, you know, if someone texts you at three in the morning, you're wondering why they're up for one reason or another. Yeah. But because of their relationship, there are layers to that question when he asks. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, thoughts on um, Nate's totally gray hair now and uh, this transformation. I did read an interview that he said his natural hair color his temples are gray and they had to color it last year anyway. And so they decided that, um, you know, it was only about midway through the season. I was like, man, Nate's getting a little more gray. What, what's going. Mm -hmm. And so, um, talk to me about that in that final scene. I mean, what a, I mean, last year we ended with Rebecca, you know, a spit take and this one we end with just angry focused Nate and, uh, go ahead, Tom. Um, I, I question the gray hair for a couple reasons. Like it's okay for uh, progression, but one one of the weird thing, I don't know if this is why they're doing it. I think it, I think it's a good visual to show that he's on an arc, but I'm not sure how old he is, and I'm not sure how old he was in the first season because he he plays really young. Yes, he does. But he see it seems like you need to make him older so that he is responsible for his decisions. If he's, if he, and I don't know how old Nick Muhammad is either, but if he's 25, it's different than him being 35 because if he's 25, he's a young kid who's doing something stupid and I'm going to feel differently than him being 35 and like, okay, I know you've got a messed up relationship and you're not used to, having needing validation and doing well and being where you should be, but not getting what you should like, but you've been an adult long enough that you should be better behaved. So I kind of wonder if graying up Nate is to make sure, you know, Oh, this is an adult with agency. So when he makes choices, he is making choices and he's not, he's not being a stupid kid. He's being a stupid adult. 
According yeah, to I th- IMDb, he is 41. Okay. Nick is in real life. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have shocked me if if the way that he was played, the way that he was played from the from the start, he seems early 20s, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The character, the actor are different, and I get that. Um, and I think in this case, they've, they've played it up. It, it would bother me, I think, if we had a 41-year-old kit man, somebody who was doing that, and, and that was their job versus who obviously at least had that in that experience, but maybe was never given the chance. I, I don't know. I, I can see why they did it. Do I think that it was necessary? Probably not. Um, but I guess if you're going to give visual clues, that's one way to go. I don't know of a of really a better way to, to do it. Um, but just, I, I feel like the, the, you know, from the from the moment that I read that this was the the Empire Strikes Back of of seasons, I kept waiting and kept looking and and to see him really be even though West Ham is is a is a maroon color to kind of see him all in black there and just didn't have that gray hair. I don't know. It it, it really they really went for an aesthetic and it it worked in the end shot to really to make you go. I'm scared of what's going to happen for season three, but I'm also, I'm also ready for it. I'm, I'm, I'm just ready to see some more. Mm-hmm. Is, is David, is West Ham a real team? Yes. Okay. West Ham United. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like the idea that um, also where uh, Rebecca and Ted talk about, well, we at least now will, it'll be scheduled when we're going to see Rupert. Like it won't, he won't yeah. be surprised. I guess that was a little, I thought, yeah. Um, where do you think they're going to do with Rebecca and Sam next season? I don't think, I don't think they're going to end up together. I, I, I don't see that. I think you're going to see that these characters grow. I know just reading the internet, at, at least half of the people are shipping Ted and Rebecca and, I'm okay if that doesn't happen and I'm okay if it does. I don't have a, I don't at this point, I don't have a horse in this race. I'm okay. Either way. I don't even have a problem if they keep Rebecca and Sam together. I'm okay with that too. All of that is okay with me. I am curious to see the journey of the characters and, and, and I don't, I don't necessarily ship one way or the other, I guess, if, if I'm, if I'm leaning towards that, I just want to see where the story goes. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's no, what's really interesting about what they've done is that there's no wrong choice aside from Higgins stays with his wife. That's that can't change. Um, But other than that, every relationship is on the table and like, I like, I know, I know they're supposedly only doing three seasons, correct? That's what they say. Yes. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing where if they want to do four, the only way I want to see them do four is to break three into two longer parts. Like, I don't want them to add a story onto it. I want them to tell the story they want and just maybe get in, in deep. Like, honestly, that happened to me with Love and Capes where the third and fourth volume were originally supposed to be one. And I realized it was too much story, but I don't feel like this show is necessarily going to give us the mega happy ending. 
Like, I don't necessarily think that Ted or Rebecca wind up with anyone. Um, I think it's probably more likely for, honestly, I think it's more likely for Rebecca than it is for Ted. Um, I would agree. Yeah. Cause if you, and I don't, I don't want to see Ted and Rebecca, like if they do it, I'm sure I'll like it cause they're them and they're going to pull it off. But just from, from looking at it from where it's at, it just, it just seems like that's too easy and too there. And I like, I like them too much as friends and to go from you're my tool to destroy my ex-husband to, I can tell you had a panic attack and I'm looking for you. Like, I, I think that's such a great relationship for the two of them that I don't, I don't want to see them mess with that e- any further. I think they, I think their happiness lies elsewhere. I'm not completely sure we're going to see all of that journey. I agree. I don't think you're going to see all that journey. And I think the end game, again, I'm just speculating, but I think the end game is Ted has to leave. He's, he's an American. He can't stay in the UK. He's just not going to, he has a kid in Kansas city. He's going to have to go back in my head. That's how the show ends. Whatever drives him back, whatever, however it's, it's derived. I don't know. But in my heart, he has to leave. He has to go back home. Whether Beard goes with him or not, totally different story. But Ted has to go home. That's how the show in my head has to end. If they spin it a different way and it works, I'm all for it. But that's how I see it playing out. Well, and I think that there will be offers to come back to the U.S. and coach. Because if you can show that you can motivate young men and professional athletes, you would think there would be a, uh, a college coach, college university or college that would want to hire him to do that. And I had not thought of that, but I think that's a good ending uh, to get back because it is um, well, you know, like how I mean, long, how long is a, uh, a premier football season? It's a long time. It's like eight or nine months. Okay. So it's, he, yeah. It's he only time. gets two or three months back at home. Yeah. Yeah. Like but the thing is, back. too, like, I mean, if, listen, I mean, we're in a world where this American coach has gone to coach in English Premier League. Yeah. So in Kansas City, the, the Major League Soccer, they're sporting Kansas City. There's a team, the real team, sporting Kansas City is yeah. the name. I, I can, one, I can 1,000% see them saying, Oh, I got an offer to go to coach at Sporting Kansas City, and I'm going home. I, I mean, yeah. I can mm-hmm. see that. I, sure, I don't know if that's how it plays, but but I can I can really see that. Yeah. Um. Kind of broke my heart. The believe sign cut in half. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. what they wanted us to do, right? But it is kind of that. Oh, a bridge too far. He really has gone to the dark side. Yeah, that was it. That was that was the moment right there. And even yeah. after winning, he couldn't let it go. Yeah, he wasn't. You could tell he wasn't about the win. He was about him at that point. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's well done in that Ted is giving credit to Nate when he mentions Nate's play. And you can see that playing as, oh, Nate is getting the credit that he's looking for. And he's in such a damaged place that even that thing goes sour with him because he reads it. He takes it in exactly the wrong way. And I think that 
I think that's an interesting place for him. My question is, it's actually the same question I had with the modern Star Wars films, is that I feel like Ted Lasso is a show about redemption, and I'm trying to figure out how and if Nate can come back or will... Like, I did not expect them to turn Nate into the villain. Right. And because of that, I'm willing to accept the idea that they are just going to keep Nate the villain. Right. I I kind of don't... My heart does not want to see that, but if they do that, I'm sure it will be satisfying. So I don't, I don't know if we're going to get a redemption art for Nate. It feels like we will. Like, I, that feels like a... Only having two seasons, it feels like a Ted Lasso thing to do. But I wouldn't put it past them to not do it because they know that is what I think they're going to do. Yeah. I feel like based on the fact that this season was described as the Empire Strikes Back, you gotta have your Return of the Jedi. You've gotta have you you've gotta have this redemption where if he's if he's Anakin, if he's Darth Vader, he he takes the helmet off, he he's Anakin. I don't know that that means that he goes back to coach AFC Richmond. I, I don't know that, but repairing the the relationships that have obviously been torn, that I can see. How they do it, I don't know. Um, I think there's got to be more tension. It, it wouldn't shock me if season three has more Rupert just because of the nature of the character and how that mm-hmm. needs, like, he's the emperor. Mm-hmm. Is, is how yeah. I'm seeing it in my head. He's the emperor. Uh, Nate is your is your Darth Vader. Your Anakin, um, which kind of makes Ted your Luke Skywalker. I don't know. It's really bad analogy. Okay, I get yeah, I, it. I no, get it all. I, but I that's how that's yeah. how I see it. So. Well, and you know what I picture happening, and I don't know a scenario, but there is that when. Um, when your opponent does something that shows they respect you either um you know in in the tour de france historically if you led the tour and you had a mic you had a mechanical breakdown the other riders would slow down and would not attack while you were in a mechanical failure so that till you got on your bike and then you would then all take on right there's that sense of respect so if there was something where um ham and richmond were fighting you know playing each other and there was a chance for like rupert says hey i i i hear the plays or hear something and nate's like no i'm not going to do that or you know where something happens and nate does it does something that shows he still respects ted you know and they kind of meet on the field after the game and they kind of have a redemption. I picture something sports related that way, which would be interesting and good to see. Yeah. Um, So uh, I guess we got a year to wait, um, (laughs) which is, you know, cause I kind of discovered Ted Lasso kind of late, you know, Mm -hmm. so I got to binge it all. And now I've enjoyed the season. Um, I, I don't think they've even started filming yet. Have they? No. I they're think, writing now. Yeah. They're writing now. Yeah. So. Well, I think the big question we all know is, you know, will uh, Beard and Jamie, you know, st- how many times will they break up on this off season? Every, <laughs> like, I love the fact that he was like, we broke up. 
Oh, we're back on. Yeah. Like, it's just, <laughs> that's so good. It is so almost good. like, oh, they killed Kenny from South Park, right? Like, right, this is a continuing right. just yeah. bit they keep yeah. doing. And I kind of love that. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like uh, it. I, all right. Go ahead. Things I want to see in, yes. in season three. I need more Nora. I need more Phoebe. Mm-hmm. I I need all the Roy Kent F-bombs I can get. There's a YouTube video that is four minutes and 10 seconds, and it shows all the F-bombs from both seasons. I highly recommend you watch it. It's oh, pretty fantastic. I love that. <laughs> um, I mean, I just... <sighs> I don't know what I want to see other than I want to see more of these characters. And that's the only reason why if, if the story of Ted Lasso has to end because of the real life problems for Jason Sudeikis and wanting to be with his kids and things like that, I'm totally okay. I hope that they've laid the groundwork enough and that enough people love it and enough people want to do it that they would continue on with, AFC Richmond or or whatever. I would love to continue being in this world with these writers because it's so good and I I'm I'm in. So yeah, the next year is going to suck. So here's what's not going to happen, but this is my wish. My wish is that Apple says, "Oh, we miscalculated. We need you to do 13 or 14 episodes." And so they have to come up with another two off. And Nora babysitting uh, Phoebe. <laughs> Nora, yeah, okay. Is his right. episode? That's that's I like I, you mm-hmm. know I, I would take that in a minute. You know, that one, would be awesome. One of the things I think is really interesting about the format of the show that I noticed is that the first season was all pretty well thirty-ish minute episodes, and this yeah. season broke forty-five like almost for the second half. Yes. Um, and it's, it's interesting because it means they never intend for it to go anywhere else. Like Star right. Trek discovery is still done with, you know, five acts and can be repurposed onto CBS broadcast. But Ted Lasso is only going to be Ted Lasso is only going to be Ted Lasso. Yes. Um, so I like that they tell the story that they have and they're not worried about time. I mean, I'm sure like union and production and stuff gets involved, yeah. but um, I like that they they tell the story they want. I'm I'm super curious because these guys worked on Scrubs, and Scrubs had a interesting yet quasi painful reboot season where it became Scrubs Medical School. Mm-hmm. And part of the problem, like I thought it was fine. Like I would have watched more of it. I'm, I'm um, one of the people in America yeah. that liked that that season. So yeah. or 13 episodes. So yeah, but the I thought the biggest problem it had was that they kept bringing back Zach Braff and the characters could not find their own spotlight when Zach Braff kept showing back up. It was cool that he did, but kind of the same way. I don't, I would rather see the story end cleanly and not, and be happy with how it ends and not have more of it. The difference between what's happening now and what happened with scrubs is that I feel like, almost everybody on Ted Lasso can now write their own ticket. And I will be happy if Ted Lasso ends and we get four series from people who work on Ted Lasso doing new things that they want to do. 
Yes. Like so I won't, I things. won't feel like they're out of work. I won't like, but I, I like, I, I almost don't want to see an AFC Richmond season where Ted Lasso shows up for a guest spot because it's going to throw off the, it's going to throw off the mix. Um, well, I'd rather just one, end you dramatically. Don't and Lasso, go. You don't want Ted Lasso to come back, but to your point, one of the, one of the shows that was just announced, I don't know if you saw that was uh, Bill Lawrence and Brett Goldstein are developing a new show for Apple starring Jason Siegel. So I'm in. Oh yeah, that'll be right good. There. Well, and you right think there. of Frasier took the characters, set it in a new city, set a new premise and did not bring back anyone from Cheers till they had established their own environment, right? So um, if, you know. I'm trying to remember because I actually think Sam shows up in the first season. Does he? I I, yeah, I did remember he, that he shows he shows up way quicker than I than I thought he would, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking that he was like he was the big drop because okay. once Sam shows up, it's not going to be like it was fine when they did, but once Sam shows up, Woody showing up isn't as interesting. Yeah, but because he was the big star, but you know, and okay, but I I don't know. You're you're right that they did it. You they they could. They could spin off and do a wonderful Coach Beard show. Well, here's the then let me revamp, rewind, and go uh, the closer to major crimes. Okay. The TNT, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. Kara Sedgwick said, I, I'm, t- you know, I'm ready to quit uh, doing network TV for now. And so they put in, you know, um, the president from Battlestar Galactica and uh, Mary McDonald. yeah, Mary McDonald and had similarly the same cast and they went on another mm-hmm. five or six years. So if you took out Ted Lasso and, but you kept enough of those and, and you would not have Ted come back. I agree. You want this, unlike the scrubs like to set their own universe, it would be good. Um, all right. Um, any other thoughts for next season? And then we'll kind of share some favorite quotes. Um, I still want Alfonso Ribeiro to show up. I'm sticking by that one. <laughs> okay. Um, and yeah, I just want him. I just want them to end on their terms and be happy yes. and not like if they make compromises, I want them to be the compromises they choose to make and not feel like yes. they're pressured to make. Yeah. And I do think it's interesting that the, about the timing that you do get the feeling that because this is a streaming service, um, and if they are not thinking, I mean, Apple is big enough that we don't need to syndicate this. We don't need to do this. This is, this is, we want this in ours. Like mm-hmm. Paramount TV, you know, wanted that. Oh, because CBS put that first season of Discovery on their network TV. I think that's pretty good. Uh, David, any th- final thoughts before we get over to quotes and other things? Yeah, I mean, I think I think what we've talked about from uh, you know an episode length and stuff like that. I think Apple, I don't think Apple has any plans to do any kind of, like you said, distribution or anything like that. And I think they're fine with if you want to do thirty minutes, you want to do an hour, whatever you want to do, just just put yeah. it out there and and because it's always going to be streaming one way or the other, so they don't care. Um, yeah, between Buzz and all the Emmy wins and just this is, uh, I hope they continue to name drop celebrities and celebrities have so much fun on Twitter 
being so happy that they were name dropped. I just love mm-hmm. that. Part of that too is that is that all of it was written and filmed and everything before the award season hit, and to see all of that just play out, it was so organic. And that you you can't get that for season three because now everything that they're writing has been influenced in some form or fashion by the success that they've had. Yeah. But I trust them because they've seemed to know where they were going from the beginning. They may not have had all of the words written out, but I think they knew all of the story beats before they filmed the first episode. That's what Jason has said. And like he said, I know the high points and now we just need to fill in the, you know, the details. Yeah. Yeah. And the the other thing that comes with success is kind of like um, the end of the good place where the show had done well enough and was powerful enough that they could say, all right, and now we need to film some of this sitcom in Italy. I think mm-hmm. it was Italy, but I don't think it will. I don't think it will change where they're going with the characters, but it might allow them to do a couple more. Hey, we need to film this scene at Wembley Stadium now, and be yeah. able to to pull that off in a way that you know the scrappy little sitcom that nobody knows about wouldn't have been able to. The yeah. the only other thing I'm sorry the only other thing that I want to see for season three, I need Sam's dad to show up. I need that so much. I oh, want yeah, to see Sam's that. dad. Yes, that would I be want great to see. To see. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I love that. If he, All right. If he bought Bitcoin in 2007, he's, <laughs> yeah, uh, he's yeah. got to be pretty close yeah. to the yeah. Doing good. Yeah. All right, uh, David. You got any lines you want to share? Poop, poop. I man, I cracked up so so much at that. I couldn't stop laughing. Um, yeah, you know, honestly, there there were there were there were a few things. Um, unlike some of the previous episodes, there weren't to me as many one-liners. There weren't as many things that that stuck out in my head as things that I'll reference all the time. But I I remember more of the show. Yeah when I, when I think back over like season one or, or frankly, even the first half of season two, there are definitely episodes that blend together, but I remember very specific lines, very specific moments. Part of it's probably because I've watched it eight or nine or 10 times at this point, but there are definitely beats and moments that I prefer. And over these last couple of episodes, there were some good moments, but there weren't too many things that stood out to me as I'm going to use that. That's funny. That's good. Okay. Um, how about you, Tom? Uh, honestly, I'm. I mean, I love he stole my move. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I, I felt in the beginning of the season they were relying a little too much on Ted Lassoisms. Yeah. Um, I don't mind him being funny or silly, but some of them were like eight layer setup payoff jokes with him and Beard, where mm-hmm. I thought they were going too far into it. And like David said, I like that. I like that. I remember the story. I don't remember the lines because everything was in service of the story. Nothing, nothing was out of kilter. Like everything just flowed so well together that I, I honestly, I can't, I can't, I know there were funny lines, but I can't tell you what they were. Actually, the one, one that does stick out to me is, uh, well, okay. Anytime Brett Goldstein as Roy Kent is on screen for sure. But when he goes, when he goes to the school and nobody is there and he's like, fine. <laughs> yes. That's fun, isn't it? 
and and, and yeah. I mean that I I laughed a lot at that. So yes, and he yeah. buys all the breast sketches. Yeah, you yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. And the fact that that's what PB has done is 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 drawing drawing charcoal sketches of breast. Man, that's yeah. funny too. Yeah, that's it was. Um, I I love the callback when Doctor Sharon leaves the voicemail. The truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Yeah. I love that, and I really liked how they dealt with uh, mental stress and 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 illness, and how in professional sports. I love that he brought that up in his press conference, and then as a guy who has spent over thirty years managing people, Higgins going Keeley, a good mentor helps you move on. A great mentor knows you will. Yeah, that may be pumped because the reality is if you're a if you are a good boss if you are a good leader you want the people that are working with you to move on and excel and do to do things so i i just loved both of those lines good Mm -hmm. all right well guys uh i will uh, if something big breaks, we'll 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 boo the diamond dogs back together. We'll visit, <laughs> but for now, I know. Um, so, Tom, um, you last time we talked, you just started a Kickstarter, and now then it's doing okay. It's doing okay. We are last time I checked, which would have been about sixty-five minutes ago. Um, <laughs> we're two hundred and seven percent funded. We we cracked. The, the mean people who follow me broke all my stretch goals. So I've had to come up with new ones. Um, but it's it's fun watching it happen. And I planned it out so that um, I would have New York Comic Con and Baltimore Comic Con to promote it. There are nine days left in the campaign. And uh, I have been heartened by the fact that while I'm watching the numbers go up, I'm still getting new backers. So it's not just people adding on T-shirts, but it's people. Um, it's more people still finding it. And I am so happy about that. Yeah, I'm that's looking great. To making this thing, I'm very happy for you. All right, uh, David and I went to Kiss together. We didn't <laughs> kiss, but we saw the band Kiss. Had a great time, uh, and so uh, I'm sure we will get together. Tom and I are seeing each other in November. Hopefully, <laughs> I just got my flights. Yay! Hopefully, you and I will be able to break bread together, David, sometime before the end of the year. Uh, but if someone wants to reach you, how can they? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at BlindNello. Okay. And Tom? I am on Twitter and Instagram at Tom Zoller, T-H-O-M-Z-A-H-L-E-R. And I am at Jesse Jackson, DFW. Uh, if you like this um please uh, check out uh, some of the other podcasts. This will be on my Patreon, but I'm going to release uh, probably in November all three episodes. Uh, So my patrons are getting this a little bit early, and then I'm going to give it to everyone else by then. Uh, I appreciate it, guys. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Um, And, uh, you know, let's remember to be curious and not judgmental. Mm-hmm. I think I like in today's it. way, that is such, such good advice. So David, Tom, listeners, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. But heaven knows I tried. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 